Hi, everyone. Today we have a very special episode for you. I'm joined by Dr. Krisha Anderson, and we're going to be talking about podcasting, fandom, and academia. Krisha, welcome to Carrying Wayward. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you're here and that we finally yes. get to talk. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's it's genuinely my pleasure. Drew is very sad that he couldn't be here, but he got a job. So we're very well, happy for him. <laughs> priorities, I suppose. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> so for our listeners who may not know you, uh, Dr. Krisha Anderson is a licensed mental health therapist with a PhD in human behavior. Her doctoral research focused on the relationship between science fiction fandom and psychological well-being in women. And she currently works in private practice, where she loves incorporating fiction and fandom into her clinical work. She's also a lifelong fangirl of different variety of genres, including television, film, gaming, and music. She's been a fan of Supernatural since finding the show in 2012, and co-hosts the Fangirl Business Podcast, which focuses on fandom dynamics, meta-analysis, and queer subtext for both Supernatural and the Winchesters. For all of our listeners who are looking for a Winchesters podcast, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to add about like what you've been doing with your podcast or with anything else? Um, I think that about sums it up. I mean, we've been having... Uh, a really good time, surprisingly, talking about the Winchesters. I was not anticipating that, but... (laughs) Those are such good surprises. I'm so happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a genuine delight to, to dig into it. That's amazing. Honestly, I've been hearing like things here and there, and I feel like, you know... I basically know what's happening, but I just mm-hmm. haven't watched the series. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been an interesting <laughs> experience. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So just to give, uh, you know, listeners a little bit of context here, like I've just finished my first semester of my PhD program. And one of the topics in my doctoral seminar, which is basically a fancy way of saying like it was a course that taught us how to be PhD students. Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the topics in that class was how challenging it is to cite some forms of knowledge like blogs or podcasts or even tweets, uh, especially when we're using like citation styles like APA, MLA, Chicago, Vancouver, or whatever other style. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, the underlying message of, of those conversations that we had was that this kind of knowledge is basically not valued by academic Mm. systems. Mm -hmm. Right. And it sort of launched me into a spiral about like <laughs> what it means to be creating this kind of knowledge that like you and I, Krisha, but also like our co-hosts and other people, uh, other creators in, in this fandom are creating so regularly on our podcasts. And for it to not be easy to cite and basically not valued by a very mm-hmm. important aspect of my life anyway, Um yeah. So since you're a part of like that Venn diagram of like fandom podcasting academia, mm-hmm. um, we thought like, why not have this conversation with you? Yeah. <laughs> so like, do you maybe want to get us started with telling, uh, telling me a little bit about like how, how you mixed like your academic and professional life with your fandom life? It's sticky and kind of, complicated, I would say. So when I was going through my PhD program and writing my dissertation, my goal at that point um, was essentially to go into academia. Like I wanted to be a professor. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, so I graduated in 2019. 
uh, and the world sort of shifted a bit, I suppose we could say, in 2020. Yes, I think that's a very (laughs) mild way of putting it. Yeah, (laughs) understatement. So my plans... So in 2018, 2019, I was doing a lot of public speaking, like at at fan conventions and things like that, talking about fandom and mental health, since that was my doctoral focus. And um, I felt good about that. It was fun to to talk about it, to use my credentials to do that. I feel like that there's something about those letters that make people feel like what you're saying is more important, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it it gave some validity to some of the things that we love in fandom. And, and then I went into private practice again, working with clients, which for me was just going to be temporary as I shifted into academia, but then the pandemic happened and academia has kind of been uh, on fire, I would say since then. So I decided to stay in private practice. And I think that that's kind of where it's gotten murky for me because clinical work is very private. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I really do try to keep away uh, in some sense from my fandom life. And also during the pandemic, I struggled. And so I went to fandom for just me, like just Krisha being there hanging out, talking to people because I was struggling and needed community and community was in short supply during the pandemic. We were all at home. And so for me, that is also part of what made it murky is that it stopped being about, um, it stopped being about academia or credentials or anything, not that it ever was entirely, but it really shifted to being much more personal. Um, And so I feel like I'm still kind of navigating that because sometimes I just want to talk about silly things or pretty boys or whatever it Mm is. And, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there, there can be that more emphasis put on words sometimes because of credentials. I know I get judged for things because I'm a therapist and, and so it gets very, I don't know, difficult to, to figure out what expectations I have for myself, what expectations others have of me and how I navigate that. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you were saying that, you know, something about the letters at the end of your name mm-hmm. that kind of like, uh, give more weight to what you're saying. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't have the letters yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully one day, uh, if I'm not part of the, I think 54% of PhD students who drop out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't have those letters, but I definitely see a shift in the way that people, um, trust the things that I tell them since mm-hmm. starting this PhD program. And I think that for, I, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think also because, you know you're a therapist, like Mm -hmm. TM, Uh, there's probably also a lot of other things that are kind of attached to that. And like, how can you think that if you're a therapist or how can you possibly like have personal thoughts if you're a therapist? Like it's, so I can, I don't know, I'm trying to understand that. No, that's (laughs) definitely it. There's a, a perception. I think that therapist is my identity rather than my profession. And not just for me, but for all therapists that are, Mm -hmm. you know, anywhere on social media that we're supposed to be kind of talking to everyone as if they're a client Mm -hmm. versus just talking to people. Like I'm not always wearing my therapist hat. And if you're not a client, I'm not going to talk to you as if you are one, um, because that would be a lot of free labor that I just don't have (laughs) capacity for. 
It would also be unethical in so many ways. So many ways. <laughs> so yes. many ways. Mm-hmm. There was actually, I don't know if you are on TikTok at all, but there was this um, a very similar situation where uh, a therapist who doesn't really market herself as a therapist online, mm-hmm. um, but she happens to be a therapist in, in her profession, um, responded in a snarky way to somebody and they're like, well, I can't believe that a therapist would respond this way. And she goes, mm-hmm. well, I'm sorry. Are you, are you my patient? Are you my client? Like, is, mm-hmm. the, did, is there something I didn't know about this relationship <laughs> that you need to tell me? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, so maybe like the boundaries of identity kind of become murky in those situations. And I come at it from a bit of a different perspective, right? Because I don't have that, that clinical work. Um, and I had always kept like my fandom life very separate from my professional, um, life because, uh, for the past three years, I've been in a, a program that is, that was like a scientific program, a health sciences Mm -hmm. program. And so, um, there was that idea that anything that deviates from this kind of knowledge production that's done through very almost like, um, and I'm putting in very big quotation marks, but like mm-hmm. the scientific method, because mm-hmm. um, I don't really subscribe to that idea. It's the only, the only way to create knowledge uh, that is of any value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I were to talk about my endeavors in fandom, I know because it's happened before that people are like, oh, that's nice. And just like completely, (laughs) oh, that's nice. You know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can see that that's not something that you're interested in at all. Uh, But I sort of had like a bit of a shift this year, right? I tried to use, um, I tried to use this in order to get like a, an award. It was a leadership award of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but there was like this moment where I had written everything, everything was complete. And I go, this is going to get dismissed so quickly, Mm. so quickly that I actually added a sentence in the, in the letter that I wrote. And I'm I'm just going to read this out to you. Mm -hmm. Often dismissed and sometimes mocked fan communities bring together large amounts of people from all over the world in the mainstream and at the margins. And I was kind of, I didn't get the mm-hmm. award, uh, but I, <laughs> but I felt like that I had to kind of defend mm-hmm. what I was doing in a way that I wouldn't have had to defend it if it was working in a community center, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's something that you've experienced at all in your. Very much. Yeah. I would say that. So part of the reason that I went back to get my PhD, honestly, is because I found fandom. Like I had been a fan forever, but it wasn't until uh, 2012, 2012, 2013, that I found community in fandom that I felt comfortable in, which was Doctor Who fandom. And I met a lot of people um, who were... How do I want to say? I, I met a, a group of women. We all had similar interests. We were at similar life phases-ish. And I realized at that point, and this was very eye-opening for me, this is mid-30s, I have a master's degree, I have a career, that I could do things for fun. 
that we're not in service to other people, which sounds like a very obvious thing, but is simply not the environment that I was raised in. I did not understand that I didn't have to give everything to, you know, the, the people around me that I could do things for me. And Mm -hmm. so I did, I traveled to Vancouver to watch David Tennant filming something just on a whim. And it was like, this is amazing to, to connect with someone uh, that I had not met in physical space. And we just got together and flew to another country to do something just for the heck of it. And it really sort of helps me understand the, the true value of these kinds of communities in a way that I think I always kind of knew, but just really drove it home for me. And in my master's program, where I became a licensed therapist, I felt like so many things were pathologized in in that everything was looked at as a problem, you know, Mm -hmm. all kind of human emotion was in some kind of way framed in these negative ways up to and including like positive expressions of emotion. Like um, I remember I had a, a, an intern client give me a hug and I was told that that was inappropriate because they shouldn't be expressing that to me. They should be expressing that to someone that they know um, in their, in their like family or their, and it was very confusing. It was like, wow, just, I have to be a, a robot that's outside of everything. And kind of all of these things are just bad that we have to fix. And Mm -hmm. so this idea of like joy and fun and just looking at things in such a different way is kind of what spurred me to want to go back to school and to study phantom and to, to give some scientific validity. (laughs) I love our, I I love the intonation that comes with that. Yes. I feel that very much. No need to say more. (laughs) And it was a battle. The whole time was a battle. Nobody understood what I was talking about. And this is a human behavior PhD. It wasn't a counseling specific. It was a general human behavior. And it was just fight after fight after fight, trying to say and re-say and re-say what I wanted to do because I was pushed to do these other more traditional things, or there was the stigma even there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was several years of having to say, no, no, I don't want to do it that way. No, Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm talking about. And it was exhausting. (laughs) It really was. I mean, that's also the thing, right? I feel like there's a lot of um, uh, conflict conflict, uh, in academia uh, when it comes, especially, well, I'm talking about this as if this has been my entire life, but like just in my very short experience, I feel like there's a lot of of conflict in making sure that your project gets done the way that you want it to get done and that mm-hmm. you get to see it through in the ways that um, you had imagined versus how other people kind of see it. And I think that that also speaks to what you were, you were saying about you can just do things for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's sort of, and people don't understand when I say this and I, I, and I get why they don't understand it, but I don't know what I want to do after my PhD, because to me, my PhD is my current job Mm -hmm. that I love. I enjoy doing it. I don't get paid much for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, that was an involuntary response. <laughs> that's totally fine. It that yep, yep, that's that's what it is. But it's like I'm doing it right now because that's what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it brings me things that I didn't know it would bring me. Um, and things that I've been looking for for quite some time. So so I think I'm like much more tolerant, I guess, to certain certain things that kind of happen traditionally in academia where I'm like, oh, that's cool, like that you think it should be done that way. But like at the end of the day, it's going to be my name on, on the mm-hmm. thesis and I'm going to be the one up there like at the dissertation and I'm going to be the one like defending it. So I would prefer that we do it this way. We can compromise on other things, but this particularly, like I, I really want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, you talked a little bit about like the pushback that you got. Did you ever get pushback? Like, uh, cause you talked about pushback from academia about what you wanted to do. Did you ever get pushback from fandom? No, it was quite the opposite. It was people were so excited Mm -hmm. to be able to tell their story, to share their experiences about fandom and mental health in this kind of structured scientific way. It was, it was, I got the sense that fans also wanted that scientific legitimacy Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where the the results of my dissertation, which were talking about, you know, why people come and why people stay, right? So forming relationships and having this sort of non-judgmental fandom culture where people can be themselves and where we talk about mental health and we use it as coping strategy, you know, all of these wonderful fan works and mm-hmm. just all of the things we do. Fans already knew that. Yeah. But academia had no idea. So fans were stoked to be able to talk about it. And my results for them were like, obviously. Mm -hmm. Whereas every academic that I talked to that was outside of fandom was like, this is incredible. I had no idea. (laughs) So it was very wild, like walking those two worlds at the time and still it i mean it still is it's it's i have to think about who i'm talking to right because the the understanding is so vastly radically different um you're touching upon something that is like one of the things that is like a research interest of mine which is like um the fact that academia sometimes comes into communities in order to say the things that this community has been saying for mm-hmm. decades, sometimes longer, um, and then kind of treat it as if it's a discovery of some yes. kind. Oh, <laughs> like, boy. oh, we did not know this. Um, and I think that we're starting to have these conversations in like social sciences when it comes to um, communities like indigenous communities, black communities, um, queer communities. And I think that, you know, the interesting thing about fandom is that like, it is also very much at the margins Mm -hmm. in many ways. Like it's um, with different, different people from different, uh, that come from different intersections of identity, but, and that's obviously, (laughs) see, I'm thinking that's not to say that fandom doesn't also recreate um, very problematic patterns of oppression. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we put that out there. <laughs> but fandom in and of itself, I, I consider very much at the margins. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that what you're saying about, oh, this is brand new information is very revealing of that. Yes. And, and I will just say too, that I didn't know, like I will own that. I kind of thought I was not necessarily discovering something because I knew it was there, but thinking that I was one of the first people that was going to bring this to light in a scientific way Mm -hmm. and then realize that fan studies is a whole academic area, but I didn't even know that. And so I sort of thought I was doing a thing and then come to discover there's this whole area of study that just is forever overlooked. And I don't know why, because it's so cool. Like, it's so fun. The things they're doing is amazing. And once I discovered that they were there, it was like, I could have done that. (laughs) (laughs) So my apologies to everyone in fan studies that I thought that I didn't realize was there, because I know that now that I've been, you know, following that community on Twitter, it seems like every every three to six months, someone thinks they've come in and done something amazing. And fan studies folks are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've yes, been we here know. a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, welcome. Exactly. Cup of tea. <laughs> Biscuit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I. You know, my, my introduction to fan studies was through you, actually, really? uh, on Twitter. Yeah, because, you know, I heard you use the term fan studies, and I'm like, that's a thing? <laughs> right? <laughs> What? <laughs> I knew about media studies. I knew about queer media theory. Like I knew about, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I knew. But fan studies, I didn't know that that was a thing. So thank you for, for that <laughs> introduction. You're quite welcome. <laughs> and from there, that kind of guided, frankly, like a lot of the, the readings that I've been doing with regards to like Supernatural and like the other stuff that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um but and also like we're talking about this as if you know like because we're talking about the problems of academia but however having that discussed and published and um yeah discussed in academic circles really does provide quote unquote evidence of the things that have been said for years mm-hmm. um you know we can't you and I can't change the structure of how the world works. So I think it's mm-hmm. important to recognize that while at the same time saying like, well, maybe we should just trust the communities and what they're saying. Um, because there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. and a lot of knowledge that has gone in, into that. Um, do you think that maybe that, like, how do you think that that's linked to the way that like fan run initiatives are treated. So like, I'm thinking about like our podcasts, for example, mm-hmm. um, there's a an quote unquote official podcast going on right now. Do you feel like the treatment by fans and fandom of fan run initiatives like ours is different? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, it's such a complicated thing that I've been trying to think about and kind of untangle for myself, even before you and I were going to have this conversation, because mm-hmm. I listen to the official podcast. I find it interesting. They do have a different approach in terms of talking to the people who worked on it, which is interesting to see yeah. where they were, what they were thinking. Um, at the same time, I think that it's been very obviously framed on social media when they're talking about like their 
Patreon and and things like that, that they need to make money to Mm -hmm. continue to produce the podcast. And on the one hand, I get it. They're professionals. On the other hand, so am I. But I don't. I mean, we have like a Kofi that we just started like a month ago. (laughs) You know, most of the time we pay. Like we have paid out of our pockets to produce this content Mm -hmm. because we wanted to. I mean, some of it is for us, but we started our podcast in response to the show supernatural stating that it was ending and the grief that we saw within the community and wanting to help in some way, wanting to provide some kind of just community discussion about Mm -hmm. to, to validate the grief because a lot of people were also just judging themselves for being as upset as they were. So, and not understanding where those feelings were coming from. And so for me, it's just very, I feel like the motivations are different Mm -hmm. behind the types of podcasts, but I think that, yeah, people can easily dismiss fan run projects as, well, they're just talking. I mean, anybody can have a podcast, so they just, you know, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. And anything that is said by more official channels is, you know, what is. Yeah, I think it's sort of, it it links back to what we were saying about academia and how if it's said by a certain type of person, mm-hmm. um, then it has more value than if it's said by a different type of person. Um, and this is where like my, my own research interests kind of come in because um, one thing that I'm really interested in is... Miranda Fricker's concept of epistemic injustice. And I, I I know that I'm using really big words and I'm going to put the reference for the book in the show notes. The interesting thing about this is the idea basically that like we decide on credible information on what information we think is credible based on like the information itself, but also the source, right? And we're very, mm-hmm. very told to check your sources, make sure that they are... Um, that they're valid sources. But I think that the definition that we have of valid sources of information is very narrow, so narrow that we tend to dismiss sometimes um, people, and this is the crux of Fricker's book, we tend to dismiss people because of prejudices that live in what she calls the social imagination. Um, Hmm. And that puts people at the margins uh, women and people of of different genders, as well as Black, Indigenous, queer folks, disabled folks, of not being taken as seriously about the information that they're giving, particularly about their own experiences or things that they are competent in, than somebody else who has some kind of different credential. And I only started reflecting on this recently, actually, since this whole spiral <laughs> about MLA formatting and citation <laughs> styles, right? <laughs> it's just crazy that it would lead me to this. But it sort of makes me wonder, like, do we, do we as fan creators have uh, a credibility deficit compared to cast and crew, for example? Yeah, I think we do. I, I think that there is an inherent stigma or bias Mm -hmm. against 
fans, and I, I think that that even comes through by fans. I think there's that like internalized stigma a lot of the time that mm-hmm. can be really tricky to challenge. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I could get on a whole soapbox and just stay <laughs> there for a real long time. So I'll try to stay relatively succinct. But I think that a lot of fan spaces, certainly our fan space, if we want mm-hmm. to talk about supernatural fandom specifically, is very heavily um uh very heavily populated by women or those assigned female at birth, mm-hmm. whereas the cast and crew is primarily men. And I think that there is a lot of misogyny that goes into fandom, and that's not just supernatural. I think that things that uh, typically are associated with like women or girls is immediately devalued. So whether Mm -hmm. it's boy bands or romance or soap operas or supernatural, which is, you know, just watching a show about pretty boys. She's basically like a an amalgam of all of the things that you've just mentioned. <laughs> Boy bands, yes, romance. <laughs> and <Absolutely>. soap operas. <laughs> yeah, very much. Those things are immediately devalued mm-hmm. in our society. You know, yeah. it's it's nothing for someone, um, for a, a cishet man to paint himself the colors of his team and then go to a sporting event that is completely socially acceptable but to cosplay as Castiel and go to a convention would be looked at quite differently by mainstream folks. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that stigma that's not just about fandom, but also about gender, you know, a lot of those things really seep in. I, they were there for me and mm-hmm. I didn't really even recognize it fully until I was really heavily into the research and the literature review for for my research, reading all of these things and going, you're right. Like, what in the world? And so I think that because we have that internalized stigma a lot, I hear so often women especially making themselves smaller, you know, not talking about their fandom because, you know, it's kind of what you described Mm -hmm. about, you know, I don't want to be judged by it. I don't want people aren't going to take it seriously. So I need to just this is my like just my silly little thing that I like, but I got to yeah. keep it hidden. Mm-hmm. And that's such a typical thing. And so I think sometimes subconsciously we put that on fandom creators too. Like, well, they're just fans, you know, no matter no matter what expertise mm-hmm. they have, no matter how long they've been researching this, no matter what skills they bring to it, like they're just fans. And you know, it's, I think what's to me the most mind boggling part about all this is that I've never talked about this actually, but I have a bigger reach with Carrying Wayward than I do with all of my published research research articles combined. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my (laughs) goodness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, same for me and and our (laughs) podcast. I still... I will sit and look at all of the countries that our podcast is being listened. And at the at first I was like, it must just be like bots or something. There must just be like some glitch in the statistics. Mm-hmm. No, no, mm-hmm. I'm talking to those folks. They're real. Yes, <laughs> you they're know, listening. <laughs> like, yeah. 
And yeah, it's incredible the difference in terms of information dissemination, like who you are able to reach with this platform versus who is sitting there reading journal articles on... That are often paywalled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the thing. Like, I'm really amazed at the way that Supernatural podcasts, particularly, like I'm sure that this, or I think, I hope that this also happens in other fandoms, but what I've observed is particular to Supernatural, where we've got all of these really good podcasts that are leading conversations within fandom that all contribute to the well-being of this particular community. Mm-hmm. Um in a way that I haven't really seen anything else kind of contribute to that. And like my example of that, it's a very personal one, is uh, when I was listening to the fangirl business, uh, the first time that I, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> the first episode that I ever listened to uh, of your podcast was the one on the finale. Mm. Yeah. Um, Take a collective deep breath. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to go into the the details, but like I, it is what helped me identify that I was having a trauma response Mm -hmm. in that moment. Um, And, and, you know, like all of that, that we were describing, like, I was so afraid of talking to anybody in my life about it because like, I was afraid of uh, judgment and dismissal and just like, oh, she's, you know, because I was really sad when, and, you know, I'm showing my millennial age here, but like, I was destroyed by the way that Harry Potter ended. Mm. I, you know, like there were a lot of, mm. of things that I didn't love about it and it just made me so sad. And whenever I had tried to talk to anybody in my life about it, they like, it was just like, ugh, you know, silly, silly teen, silly teen being upset about her, her favorite book ending. And the reaction that I was having as a 30 year old to this <laughs> show, silly little like show about angels and demons ending in the way that it did uh, was like tenfold to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt like I, I, I couldn't talk to uh, about it to anybody. Like, so there was a lot of like isolation and like silent suffering, which I know is the worst thing you can do to yourself. But listening to you and Catherine, like cry in that episode, like just made me feel connected, not only to you and to the rest of the, of the fandom that was experiencing that, but it connected me back to myself. Mm. Um, in a way that no like official content mm. ever could really right like <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm including like any any post series media that was created via official channels like I don't think mm. anything will help me connect to myself better than this one podcast episode that you and Catherine made you know well. Yeah, I mean, it means so much to hear that because I I think it's going back to your question about navigating personal and professional and fandom and how, you know, how to move through that. That episode of our podcast, I really questioned, like I really, and I still sometimes, you know, I've cried a few times on the podcast, sometimes for good and sometimes Mm -hmm. for not. And each time I have that that moment of sitting and reflecting, like, am I sharing too much? Am I am I being because it's not professional? I use that in big quotes. Yeah. Um, and specifically in uh 
in grad school for counseling, we were kind of taught to not to almost be robots, even on social media. We're not supposed to share any of ourselves anywhere because it might have a whatever, which is not sustainable and it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so again, for as much as I use my credentials on the podcast as a lens through which I view things, I needed to just be Krisha in that moment and just because I too was having a trauma response that I could not identify, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that Catherine had to be like, so, you know, because I was in the same mental place, even though I study it, even though Mm -hmm. I do clinical work, I still was like, I couldn't possibly be having a trauma response to a television program. Indeed, I was, though, because (laughs) answered all the reasons here. Yes. So. Yeah, it's I think um I think for me that really because I wasn't sure this was right at the time where we had started releasing mm. the very beginning <laughs> of our episodes and we I you know we didn't really have like a community yet or anything like that so I felt very like disconnected even from fandom but that listening to that episode made me because I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue with this podcast mm-hmm. given like you know, the shit plate that we had been mm-hmm. handed. <laughs> like, yes. You know? Even gesturing wildly. Yeah, yes. Gesturing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But listening to this made me think, okay, you know what? Like if this, if this podcast was able to do this for me, then maybe this is my way of like giving back a little bit, like in my own way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I know that we've had people come and tell us like, oh, thank you for helping us helping me like, like supernatural again. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. And I'm sorry. by the way. Right. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that there was just so much like trauma after the ending that I think the way that, and yeah, there were a lot of, of divisions and, and difficulties, but I think a lot of people really got together at that time um, in a way that I, I don't think I had experienced except in moments of great trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad that we were able to be a small part of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think for as much as the fandom has struggled since the finale, which I think we always knew it was going to because, right. you know, hiatuses are always when we just sort of, I don't know, the fandom devolves. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's it did, I think, allow for those conversations about the way that fiction and fandom impact mental health. Absolutely. And I think that those, for as much as I deeply wish we didn't have to have had them, I do think that they were important and helpful, not just in that context, but like far beyond. Well, one thing that I've been surprised is that whenever I'm looking for, um, because I was, I wrote a I wrote a paper for a class that was about the way that Schitt's Creek was a positive influence on the queer community and, and non-queer people around them. And I was looking for, for just that specific thing about how specific media can have an impact when it comes to queerness. And, and I found so many articles about the 100, Mm -hmm. but there was nothing about supernatural in the finale. And I'm wondering, is it too early or are people just not touching it, TM? Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I've done, 
I've done some academic talks about it, like roundtable kind of things, but I, that's a really interesting thing because I'm sitting here thinking on our podcast, we did three episodes where we broke down and analyzed every step of that godforsaken episode. And it was important. And I think it was necessary for us to understand our own feelings about it uh, and to share that, I guess, with the community. But it burnt us like we couldn't podcast again for like a year after Mm -hmm. that because we were just it just sucked all the joy out of all the things. So the idea of writing an academic paper on that, I no, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) you know, That that's so incredibly true, though, because I think I mean, and some people manage it. They manage to to academically speak about a topic that is incredibly personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I tried, <laughs> and and that one article about Shit's Creek, and it was I, I was focusing on the positive because that like anyway, the mm-hmm. course had been very what Yvtuck calls like damage centered in the sense of like, look at all of these terrible outcomes for these queer kids in school, if you do this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, I fully get that. I have lived it. I can't be exposed to this Mm -hmm. like that in that way in a classroom full of people who haven't. Mm And so I focused on the positives and even that just like drained me of so much of my energy. I was like, oh, okay. So I can talk about certain things that are close to me. Um, I talk about, you know, the intersection of gender, youth and disability, which is something that is very, uh, hits home for me, but not in the exact way that I have experienced it. Because Mm -hmm. otherwise, like I would be, I would just not be able to, I would be burnt out after a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is. The people who have the interest of talking about it just can't. Yeah. I know I couldn't. <laughs> Too <Yeah>. much. <laughs> Same. Um, is there anything that you'd like to bring up before we come to a close? You know, one thing I was thinking about in context of this conversation and, you know, what knowledge is quote unquote valid versus mm-hmm. not One of the things that I really took away from my doctoral research beyond phantom was this idea of giving legitimacy to what's called qualitative research, which is talking about people's lived experiences and that being scientifically valid, which is a whole other thing academically, which is that qualitative research is very often devalued and not seen as as important mm-hmm. as quantitative research, which is all the statistics and the, the numbers and the harder science. And so when I realized that qualitative research was a thing, it just like shifted my whole my whole outlook, I guess, on on knowledge in general, because one of my favorite things about fandom but also social media for as much as there's you know there the negatives certainly i have learned more about myself about the world that i live in about different people and the experiences of different people from fandom and social media than i ever did in grad school ever And it has made me 
a better person. It's made me a better parent. It's made me a better clinician to be able to just listen to people and their experiences uh, instead of, I think, the academic approach of kind of thinking that they that they know things mm-hmm. you know yeah, and it's yeah. it, that there is a a a right and wrong or that there is a way of being and I, I just don't think it's nearly as black and white as academia would love us to believe mm-hmm. I think that there is no such thing as I don't think that anymore there is any such thing as being a professional that just is completely up to date with everything in their field because there's simply too much information now. And I think that can really drive imposter syndrome, at least it has for me, because it's like, oh gosh, I'm, there's always more I need to know. There's more that I should know. Um, but some of the most valuable work that I have done as a person and a clinician is just talking to people and hearing their experiences reading fan fiction i could i have done whole trainings on the ways that fan fiction can impact mental health um mm-hmm. because fan fiction is an art form that is not prettied up for you know stakeholders or profits you know people can just write their experiences and the dynamics that they're familiar with and give these different outlooks on things that that mainstream fiction is never, ever, ever going to give us. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of knowledge, I just cannot state enough how much I have gained from just talking to people and, and even kind of creeping on Twitter. Twitter is a wonderful place to be able to learn from people that learn from conversations you're not a part of. You know, to just be able to sit with other people's experiences, other people's concerns, upset, pain, joy, and reflect on it. And it's, yeah. So in terms of knowledge, I feel like I've gotten more out of my fandom experience and social media experiences than I have from academia, frankly. That's uh, that's quite relatable. I think the reason why... Part of the reason why I'm in academia right now is because of social media and because I stopped and I listened. Um, this for me started like around around the time that my son was born. Um, well, because I was at home and I, you know, I was 25. Most of my friends like didn't have children. And so like I I became I had to learn to entertain myself. And my way of entertaining myself was to watch old series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I started uh, Supernatural in 2016, and um, and to go on social media and 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 read what people had to say, mm-hmm. um, and so from there, I was like, wow, I, I was just amazed at how much I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm like, oh yeah, no, I know nothing. Like it's fine. <laughs> I'm yeah. okay with it, right? <laughs> That's what I learned in my doctoral program. Yeah. I know nothing except this very hyper-specific topic that I focused on for years. Exactly. I can talk to you about this thing about hours, but I really know nothing. Like, just so you know, <laughs> let's be very clear. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel that. 
Uh, Krisha, thank you so much for spending time with me today and having like this amazing conversation with me. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of me and inviting me. This is so much fun. And I'm just, we were reflecting before we started that we've been friends for years, but have never spoken verbally, which is just wild. I don't understand. <laughs> that is literally fandom for you. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I speak with some people that I've talked to on Twitter for some time, like on either on Discord or something, and I'm like, oh, that's what you sound like. Right. So cool. Yes. <laughs> so yes, this is so amazing to be able to connect and chat and, you know, just talk about this stuff, which there are very few opportunities to really dig into and talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can create a bit more space for these kinds of conversations. I think they're very important within, within our fandom, within our community. Um, Hopefully, you know, they, they do some good. Yes. (laughs) They help to the well-being of the community. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Yes, I am at Dr. Fangirl PhD. So Dr. Fangirl PhD, pretty well everywhere, uh, mostly on Twitter. Um, but I don't know if you search for it on whatever social media you're on, probably you'll find me. <laughs> and where can we find your podcast? Yes. And the Fangirl business, we are at the Fangirl Biz, B I Z. And we're kind of mostly on Twitter, I would say. Um, but if you search for the Fangirl business in any podcasting, application. I think we've hit them all at this point. (laughs) Wherever we can find podcasts. Exactly. (laughs) Sounds good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Hive, and YouTube at Carrying Wayward. And you can become a patron or a supporter by heading to carryingwayward.com. And as always, carry on our wayward friends.